Hey, Radio 3 with What Makes You Beautiful. Uh, ten min- nine minutes past uh, two o'clock. Uh, you're listening to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, I'd like to welcome back on the program Tuesday reporter Andrew Dambina. Andrew, it's great to speak to you today. Um, kind of Kung Hei Fat Choi. Yeah, this is the last program oh. before the new year. It is, isn't it? Yes, an early Kung Hei Fat Choi to you too. All good things for the year of the ox. I Noreen, hope so. For you and- you and yours. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So and what if, to the listeners. And to the listeners as well. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, well, what have you got for us? Because I'm sure our listeners by now know that before every program, you text all these sort of weird, <laughs> beautiful, I must say, but cryptic um, messages to me. I think today Indeed. I got some salad. I think I got uh, some donuts, M&Ms. You got some beautiful donuts. Yeah, they uh, are really nice. I, I shot up some highly glazed donuts. All of this will be, uh, I'll, but I'll come to that in a second. I just want to mention the reason that those, most of those shots actually are to do with the first thing that I wanted to mention. Two weeks ago, we spoke about some of the best online food viewing uh, that could be done on websites, YouTube and social media uh, from the US. I was focusing on the US. I didn't quite finish what I wanted to recommend from there. So as it's one of the broadest producing countries of uh, online foodie stuff, um, I, I just wanted to sort of finish off some really great recommendations because in these times that we're still in with huge restrictions on going out and, uh, you know, for, for good reason, um, it, it gives more time to find interesting things online. And as Tuesday is all about food and drink, I thought I'd mention just the last few from the US of A um, and, um, and then let's see what we've got time for for a bit of global food and drink news after that, yeah? That sounds perfect. It, Okay, cool. So a couple of food-focused uh, publications rather than drinks, which uh, I sometimes uh, do uh, uh, mention that I as a source for some of the stories that I do on our on our catch-ups on uh, world food and drinks news. Um, so uh, two that I really uh, I really recommend. It's a funny one at the moment though, because so much of it is about COVID, of course, and about restaurant staff being. Um, whether they're being compensated or lay, laid off and all that sort of thing. And I'm referring to the magazine called Eater magazine, which is a really brilliant source of um, interesting intellectual stories about food, mostly, sometimes about drink. It mostly reflects what's going on in the U.S. Um, and the website is eater.com. But it, uh, it casts its net a bit wider now and then on social issues. Um, in food in places outside of the U.S. And I talk about social issues, because it talks about why aren't there more female chefs or ethnic minorities who are taking the helm of restaurants across the state. It's um, it's quite U.S.-centric, and I'll be honest, I'm not, you know, I'm from the U.K. originally. I've lived here for more than half my life, but, it's, uh, but I don't really look to the U.S. for wanting to catch up with food news. But it just brings up some interesting topics that you don't see in other publications mm. about gender, about race, about um, uh, another one recently was about uh, whether uh, frontline um, workers in, uh, in, in restaurants and food stores will be some of the first people to get uh, vaccinations, COVID vaccinations, because they're seen as necessary workers that, um, that don't get restrictions of lockdowns and, uh, and other restrictions because they're, you know, kind of as frontline um, as not, well, I don't want to compare them with health workers, but they're seen as essential workers. And so therefore, they, you know, if they, if they get uh, COVID and are out of action, 
then it's bad news. They for, are, um, absolutely. For, they are kind of essential yeah. workers because, you know, even yes, medical staff need to eat and maybe they don't have time yeah. to cook, so they, they have to eat out. So Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Yeah, really. So, so it's funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it's interesting that they go into um, issues like that. That's eater dot com and in normal times if we ever get on with normal times we will we will but it's um it's uh they, they then cast their net a bit wider and they look at some um, food issues that are going on in other countries outside of the states so it's worth bearing in mind and um then another one that i also do credit sometimes is something called eat this not that i've mentioned it in some of the findings that we've discussed over the years and um it's obsessed with a kind of nutrition first mentality it's called Eat This Not That. And the website is actually just, they missed out the last bit, they just call it Eat This, or one word, dot com. And um, in normal times, it looks at the type of dishes that will do you good, usually seasonally led or ingredient led, or new breakthrough information about, uh, about a new ingredient. Not, 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 uh, yeah, not superfoods that have been touted for a long time but it will look at studies that have been done in fact it was the source for something that i ran through with you some weeks ago um, where there was a study that they um, analyzed from a uh, an ethnic chinese professor uh, who was based in a university in the u.s about what foods would best handicap the uh, the spread of uh, covid the covid virus in the, in the human body not sure if you remember there were certain things like green tea um they did Chocolate mention a few was other. One. yeah yeah exactly yeah and a certain type of grape a certain type of red grape, oh, yeah, the grape. which was uh, yeah yeah so i mean that so it's a really really good source it's not all about it's not a nutrition site it is about eating and drinking every day and um but it but it is with that focus so it's interesting and um finally from the u.s kind of foodie drinks websites that I that I wanted to mention from that list because all the time we did look at some amazing videos that were being made and Instagram sites and all of those sort of things. So um, it's, a, it's, one of the, it's one of the big magazines in the country. So the first two I've mentioned are a little more niche, um, but the last one is called Food and Wine Magazine. And um, it's although it's um, established, it's not some kind of old, tired, fuddy-duddy, you know, sort of middle-aged, um, person uh, only that's reading it. It's a, it's, it's, Fuddy uh, Daddy it's a always makes me laugh. What does it even mean? What, 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 sorry, what does what mean? Fuddy Daddy. Oh, Fuddy Daddy, yeah. I mean, just kind of middle of the road, nothing special, um, you know. What, what, it, what it's not is ordinary food and drink articles. It's, it is a great one for recipes, for sure. And even though it's based in the States and aiming... For the U.S. reader, foremost in its mind, um, it does go across all types of cuisine, and this is where some of the photos that I sent you from uh, are before to show you how diverse um, the stories are right now on Food and Wine magazine. In multicultural America, it's probably not surprising that a lot of the stories are not just American food or Western food, but lots of inspirations from uh, from its uh, focus on menus and larders and ingredients that are worth trying are from around the world or from cultures that are around the world. Um, and as you know, it's a, a place where there are so many different cultures in America that it's, uh, that it's dealing uh, and sometimes interviewing very interesting um, uh, commercial chefs in restaurants and sometimes home home cooks who um, 
who do things really amazingly. And so right now on its homepage, um, it's got an interesting diversity, for example. It's got an article which is written in the first person by someone in a really readable way called The Best Donuts in Every State. <laughs> and it goes through, <laughs> it goes through not, not, not in a kind of listicle way, but it goes through most, a lot of states, maybe not the 50-odd that, that make up all of the states in, in America, but it does go through... Uh, you know, a few handfuls of different uh, celebrated donuts in every state. And the one that I sent you, what I sent Noreen, was a picture of some incredibly over-the-top iced and uh, chocolate-sourced um, uh, icing on typical fried donuts, basically. They've all got a hole in the centre in this picture. Uh, one of them is actually also um, sprinkled with some freeze-dried fruit. Um, They're also really... brightly coloured, just sort of imagined yeah. like over the top red velvet cake. They're all sort of like pink and red in colour with that sort yeah. of like, I don't know, it looks like matcha, you know, the green tea powder, but it's red. So it's all, yeah, some it of them are sprinkled. It's freeze dried, yeah, that's a freeze dried uh, fruit um, oh. kind of kind of mixture, fruit and, uh, and, and I think biscuit crumb. But it's, um, but it's, but it's, they've almost made cakes, as Noreen says. They've almost made um, kind of a, a cake of very kind of special occasion. A bit like when there was a trend for cupcakes a few years ago, and it still exists to a certain extent. Of really going overboard with, you know, with tall icing and lots of uh, sprinkles and colourful bits of uh, icing, sugar and sugar ice. Ice balls and also all those sort of things. Yeah. That, it seems that some places are doing that with donuts now in America. Exactly, because before, cause before when we had Krispy Kreme in Hong Kong, I guess it's all closed now in Hong Kong, they were sort of the, yeah. the simple glazed ones, just the simple glazing mm. on top. But this time, it's sort of a lot of different materials. I think, is that marshmallow I can see on the top? Maybe not. Maybe that's just regular yeah. fruit sprinkles. Yeah, I'm not sure, actually. It almost looks like pink chocolate balls. I'm not sure. But, it's, but they're, they're really over the top. Maybe it'll be a new trend. Maybe you heard it here first, listener. OTT donuts. <laughs> yeah, over the top. Sort of donuts on steroids or something like that. <laughs> it's, um, uh, the other, also on that homepage, there was something, uh, an article called, um, or that was titled, Celebrate Your Lunar New Year with a luck-filled feast. And it goes through lots of dishes by a home chef who is uh, who does have a Chinese uh, name for sure and interviews her but she uh, no, she doesn't just go through um, Chinese Lunar New Year auspicious dishes she also touches on Korean and Japanese because they all um, do uh, in, in those in those countries and, and others in Asia there are also certain numbers of the community uh, that that do make dishes specifically for the Lunar New Year. So it's really in, it's a very interesting read. And the vegetable dish that I sent Noreen a picture of, sent you a picture of there, is um, it, it happens to be, um, they're calling it um, um, daomyu, the, um, the, bean, the bean, um, bean shoots. They look, uh, they look like the very young daomyu that you can buy here sometimes. It's not so much the way that they're cooked, but it's, make, it's putting the point across that... Uh, they say in this article that around the Lunar New Year across Asia, at least this this woman who's she's she's a um, she's a home cook, but she has I think written at least one book. Um, that green vegetables are a necessity on the table because uh, green is the colour of money. I haven't ever heard that before. Have you, Noreen? No, I haven't. 
No, maybe that's an American thing because they've got because they they've got their um, you know green notes. The green back. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's kind of sprung out of uh, an, an Asian community in America specifically. Um, she also goes on to mention things which uh, which I'm sure that you know already, Noreen. We may have spoken about this over the years before. Dishes, um, some of them are more surprising than others, like that vegetable one. Others are a bit more the stuff that we'll know, like tong yun, the uh, the the, uh, the glutinous rice, rice balls. dumpling. Yeah, 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 with with sesame. And um, but it, but it just it just kind of echoes the reasons of why they are eaten. Uh, the uh, the woman interviewed in this said that it's uh, it's served uh, during reunions because of the ri- the round rice balls symbolise harmony and togetherness not sure i knew that either to be honest I oh really it's it kind of like the ring you know like a wedding band you know unity circle everything yeah yeah, yeah. okay everything yeah, circles good that's why that's why chinese people sit in a circular table well so that everybody can see for, everyone but i think circles a good shape maybe. in chinese culture seems to be a repeated one yeah so like the be. moon yeah must be. that's right yeah yeah just like that moon there noreen <laughs> Yeah. So I'm going off on a tangent. I'm just like, yes, yeah, yeah. Chinese yeah. moon circle. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so um, that, that's just an example. Oh, there was one other one. Um, I don't think I mentioned it. I sent you a picture as well, which was uh, also on their homepage at the moment, which is on the uh, uh, diversity of uh, of tofu, and that's certainly not all bean curd that's Chinese. It's into um, both the Asian variety and also the stuff that has become popular in America. Tofu in America, um, I mean, I first I first heard of bean curd before I came to Hong Kong, and it was through um, an American friend of my mother's who was into healthy uh, eating and trying to substitute, she wasn't vegetarian, but trying to substitute protein, uh, fish and meat, sometimes with something else. And uh, and it was the first, the first time I tried tofu in my life was not in Asia, but from a health shop in London, where this American friend of my mum had come over and insisted that we must try it. And, um, and it was pan fried. And so in America... You're the first um, person sure. to, to call it tofu. I say tofu. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's, that's probably, maybe, maybe it's the UK pronunciation. Which uh, which was used in health shops in my youth, oh, in my childhood. Oh, <laughs> but it was the way it was the way it was it was. Uh, kind of like how you there. say theatre. Oh yes, or author. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Um, what was your okay. first impression of tofu then when you first tried it? Um, bland, because being a being a kid, <laughs> you know, I was it, it was it was around the time that I might have had a very British thing of uh, fish fingers. And peas and uh, mashed potato being mashed potato is a bit bland too, and so peas probably. But but I like things. <laughs> I was going to say you're not um, comparing it to to very flavoursome <laughs> food. <laughs> well, no, I, I know, I know, but it was probably all doused in tomato ketchup, so that that kind of and kept, gravy. kept okay. it up a bit. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I found it, I found it weird because the texture. I do remember distinctly um, bringing it back to my family kitchen, you know, and and the. Uh, the American friend of my mum's advising on how to cook it, which was basically pan fried with a bit of salt and pepper, you know, just in oil. And um, yeah, I just found it, well, you know, I suppose I was trying and hearing that it was a substitute for meat and fish, and it just didn't seem to have the same uh, flavour profile. Of course, these days, um, uh, you know, people use all kinds of um, flavourings because it's, uh, it's not meant to be, um, unless it's um, unless it's the um, dehydrated tofu, which has a stronger 
flavour. It's not meant to be highly flavoured anyway, is it? Mm. What about what? What are your favourite bean curd dishes? Um, I, I like yeah. it mixed like um mapo tofu. You know, having something oh with, with meat. Yeah, with some yeah. meat or just a stronger <laughs> flavour. <Yeah. laughs> with it, yeah, yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Tofu on its own, yeah. but you know, Chinese people. Well, some Chinese people like the stinky tofu. Um, yeah. in the streets. Um, oh, what was that? What was what was your first impression of that when you first came to Hong Kong and you smelled? Well, that? I have to mm. say, I'm not a fan. Full disclosure, I'm I'm not a fan of it. it, it the smell is a bit mm-hmm. sort of weird, but I am a fan of durian. So I don't know what it is. It's oh, something really? about. It just oh. smells like feet. Sorry if it offends anybody. I'm sure it tastes very good, um, and it does mm. actually doesn't taste so bad. Um, but yeah, what were well, your first impressions of that? I mean, I didn't want to try it for a few years, and then I did try it, and actually quite liked it. I knew that my 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 sister-in-law loved it, and so she would sometimes bring it along, and I I, I kind of smelt it uh, before she arrived at the flat. You know, if the uh, if the if the if the door of the flat was open, I could kind of know that she was arriving by a waft of stinky tofu um, preceding her uh, visual arrival. And it was, um, but it, but I I, I um, yeah, I actually I don't think I've ever craved it or I've tried I've tried it as a sort of curiosity and thought it was actually quite nice. Durian, on the other hand, I find a bit overwhelming. Yeah. But uh, but it's so funny. Even in the name stinky tofu and in Cantonese yeah. tao for you know yeah. the, the name says it all. And I'm surprised people still want to try it and still you know it's just not a very appetizing name. <laughs> but anyway, well, it, you, yeah, it used to. I mean, it used to be um, you know when there were hawkers' licenses uh, um, oh, yeah. proliferated a lot more than they do now in because the 70s of, you know and 80s, basically. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's yeah, or even in the early nineties, there were people selling, um, you know, stinky tofu that were big, that were bubbling in uh, in big woks of oil, boiling oil. Yeah. On, yeah, and it's um, and so the smell was everywhere, wasn't it? I mean, now you can still smell it occasionally with open-fronted um, snack shops that that uh, mostly in uh, sort of uh, parts of Kowloon, really. To be honest, I've not really come across. I'm sure they exist in other areas as well, but I've. But I've I've noticed it in places like Hong Kong, uh, where I used to live, and um, uh, Mong Kok. They they and they and they do have people um, they do have people lining up and enjoying it still. Mm. It's I think it's good that there are still some of these street foods uh, around, even though they've been um, taken off the street. So um, moving on though, Noreen, I see we don't have loads of time. A, a quick um, uh, mention in uh, other things then. That's it for our U.S. Uh, food kind of online stuff. Um, locally, um, M&M's, the, uh, the chocolate uh, uh, brand, is celebrating 80 years. That's pretty amazing. Um, 80th anniversary. And um, in, uh, uh, in, where is it? City Gate Plaza in Tung Chung, there's a, a kind of mad-looking uh, setup of M&M characters dressed up for Chinese New Year. Um, and they are playing they're, they're, they're playing games with people that walk into the plaza and you can win lots of bags of, uh, of, of M&M uh, sweeties. Mm. So they've also got um, augmented reality videos that pop up um, as part of this festival there, which, um, which has uh, the, the M&M characters. I don't even know that M&Ms have characters, actually, but, they, but they, there seem to be some. Um, and there are people dressed up as them. Sounds like a fun thing for kids, really, and for parents to try and monitor that they don't drink too much for the, for the sugar rush, I reckon. Yeah, the but green... That, that... Yeah, sorry, go on, Andrew. 
I, I was just going to say that's that's just that's just one thing. Not not to uh, plug the brand, but they're going all out as it's a big anniversary. Yeah, go on. What were you going to say? Um, I've forgotten now. Okay, and um, yeah, and uh, and lastly, I think cause as, as I look at the time, um, the uh, the HKTB, the Hong Kong Tourism Board, kicked off an umbrella campaign yesterday called Fortunes in Hong Kong, and it includes something called CNY Mart, which is a list of over twenty, twenty to thirty special kind of offers from hotels, restaurants, local food and drinks producing brands who are basically presenting lots of festive specials at this time and uh, where the consumer might be glad to have some way of celebrating, bringing things back home at reduced prices from what they would be in the the normal, you know, sort of era. Mm -hmm. So have a look at the uh, Discover, it's all one word, discoverhongkong.com, look look for CNY Mart and you can uh, find some interesting things that might uh, cheer you up and be tasty during this Chinese New Year. Right. I remember what I was... Thank you very much, Andrew. I remember what I was going to say. Um, the, the green yeah. M&M, she's the spokes candy for M&M's chocolate. And I remember reading on Reddit, um, I think she's gay with the brown M&M. Um, if, oh. if people are interested, they can read it up on, 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 on Twitter, Reddit. Uh, but it's uh, Miss Green M&M and Miss Brown M&M. Anyway, um, oh, yes, very interesting. Okay, well, thank you so much for, for your time this afternoon, Andrew. Always a pleasure to speak to talk to you and I look forward to chatting with you uh, after the Chinese New Year. Kung hei fat choy to your family. Thank you so much. Kung hei fat choy to you and yours. Speak to you next year. Bye.